Freedom Hut. First night of the DNC's a virtual debacle. Cuomo is writing a book on leadership. AOC has an idea to save the post office. And a congressional ad goes viral that slams Baltimore Democrats. Buck Sexton. Permission decoding the news and disseminating information with actionable intelligence. One Make no mistake. America. You're a great American again. This is the Buck Sexton Show. Former CIA analyst. Former member of the NYPD. I think I can speak for three hours without a phone call. Try doing that sometime. It is Buck Sexton. Now. We've done it right. We closed it up. We had the greatest economy in history. We closed it up. We understand the disease now. Nobody knew. Nobody knew what was hitting us, right? Nobody knew that old people would be very, very susceptible, especially if they have heart and diabetes problems and other problems, that old people would be very susceptible and young people would be extremely good with it. If you look at the percentages, there are tiny percentage that have problems, especially the big problem. So, no, I I think that we're doing very well. We're on our way, and we're also opening up our economy, and our economy is going to set records. And if uh, stupid people aren't elected next year, we're going to have one of the greatest years that we've ever had. Welcome to the Buck Sexton Show, everybody. Great to have you here, and I think that really gets right to it. We don't elect a bunch of dumbasses. We can have our 2019 back. That's what I want. I I want the country to just just go back to 2019 2020 has been bad this has been a bad year no no way around it let's just 2019 was pretty awesome in fact i remember in 2019 sitting down and talking to family and just saying the country's good i'm good you know nothing's perfect but man this is a time to enjoy i want that back i want our peace and roaring economy and I want sanity and public discourse, and I want safe streets. I want, I want things that we got used to for three years of Trump and now are either under threat or have been taken away from us. All we have to do is stay the course. This is really the heart of the debate between the Democrats and the Republicans as power will be up for grabs. Remember, it's not just the presidency. It's also the Congress and all the down-ballot races in various states. So we've got this big national election coming up, and I want everyone to just be very clear-eyed, full hearts can't lose, about what we're facing and what we're seeing here. Because this DNC, uh, this virtual DNC that they've had is just amazing. I mean, you know, it's not it's not even uh, it's not even a question for me of why is it that the Democrats put forward candidates that they know that they know any sane person is going to immediately look at them and what what are you guys doing it's it's more that that they're going to pretend right that they're going to act like why republicans are being so irresponsible by not wanting to vote for biden and kamala harris until about a minute ago they didn't want to vote for biden or kamala harris Right. The, the, the reality here is that the Democratic Party is trying to hide what it has really become from the American voter. This is what always happens. Republicans go into elections and they're like, this is what we want to do. And the Democrats try to stop them from doing those things. And some Republicans become a little weak need when they're in power and don't really follow through. But what Democrats do is act like they're going to be one thing for a certain period of time. 
right? in the general election, not in the primary, act like they're going to be one thing. And then the moment they get into power, all of the radicalism of the left comes forward. What, what, let's, let's take a step back for a second. I, I'm going to get into the DNC, which everyone is just having so much fun trashing. I only saw some clips of it. I'm not going to watch that thing for three hours. I think it was five hours with the pre-show. Come on. I mean, there's, there are books to read. There are podcasts to research. There's Call of Duty to play. There's stuff to do out there, man. I can't spend five hours with, oh, let's really watch it. Oh, they all sit and clap. Oh, Bernie Sanders' speech was so amazing. Oh, my gosh, Michelle Obama is the most gifted non-politician politician in all history. I, I know it. We all know what they're going to say before they say it. Nobody's going to be convinced by any of this. The fun part of it, though, was that it did look like a telethon from circa 1989. I mean, it, it looked like something that I would have seen on a public access channel in my youth. Where they're like, raise money to save this park. You don't want the park to be bulldozed. Raise money. You know, it really was something. It was just, it was weak sauce. It was, the whole thing was so JV. And I, I do worry a little bit. Because I'm like, look, Republicans are going to be doing their version of it next week. And we are all having quite a laugh, quite a belly laugh at the Democrats' expense over this. And I'll get it, like I said, I'll get into more details about some of the specifics and the speeches and uh, the best thing. I mean, I'm just gonna, the, the best thing of all was the uh, is it is it is it Creedence? No, no, I don't, I don't know even who does the song. You know, something happened in here. Stop. What's that sound? Everybody look what's going around. Producer Mark, is that Creedence Clearwater? I don't, I don't have a know. clue. I don't know. It's a very famous song. A lot of you are yelling at me. I should know who. We, we got to look that up. Um, you know, stop. Anyway, if you didn't see it, uh, you, you got to know right off the bat. Buffalo Springfield. There we go. Wait, is that? Is that right? Yeah. Buffalo Springfield, I think. Um, yeah. So, wow, I've actually never even... I can't even get mad at myself. I, uh, I, I'd never even heard of that band before. I know the song very well. Anyway, if you haven't seen the version of it, the DNC played it. It's amazing. You gotta watch it. You've got, <laughs> you've got to watch it. It's awesome. It's a little bit like watching your, uh, your aging, thrice married boomer friend who has joined a band at like sixty-five and grown out his hair really long. And, and is throwing a party just to make everybody hear him in his new band. I don't know. I'm not talking about Joe Scarborough, although I, I guess I could be. Uh, it's a little bit like that. It's, it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. The whole, the whole thing was absurd. And remember, Democrats rely on being cool. That's such a big part of the brand. One of the points of appeal why you vote for these crazy libs is because they have all the celebrities. They had, you know, Ava Longoria. Oh, my gosh. I don't I I care. Less than zero about what Ava Longoria thinks about anything. And I can't I can't believe that it's possible to be a well-informed person of good judgment who thinks that any of these celebrities out there that are constantly saying the most inane, stupid, limp things in public, that anybody should ever listen to them. You know, some of the, the people out there, the actors that I like, I mean, you follow James Woods on Twitter. The guy's really funny and really clever and really good at political commentary. 
And there are other people and other people who are conservative who come from the true arts and entertainment background who I'll list because they've earned they've earned the public's, you know, spending some time viewing their thoughts, thinking about their ideas. Just because you're a big pop star or something doesn't mean that anybody should listen to you. There was a Cardi B, a Cardi B interview with Joe Biden. Why is Cardi B, producer Mark, do you have an answer? Why is Cardi B interviewing Joe Biden? I guess they're trying to get the younger audience. I don't know. And I I did see the the remix of the wet ass P word (laughs) that was done last week. And it is very, I mean, the whole thing is very funny. Uh, I, I, I sit here and think. This is what the Democrats offer. You know, you, you really step back at Trump's point. If we don't vote for idiots, things things are going to go really well. It's totally true. All the covid cases are falling now, folks. It's not because of masking. It's not because we did the right thing. We rallied together. No public health authorities had really no mechanism whatsoever to protect us. You know, this this comes down to individual immunity. This comes down to herd immunity. This comes down to travel patterns and lifestyle and uh, played out among hundreds of millions of people in this across this country. You know, population density, previous exposure to the virus, all kinds of things. The government has no real ability to stop this virus from spreading. I, I know, I, it's at this point. But the country is starting to feel like things are things are coming back. Look at the stock market. Look at spending levels. People are feeling like, okay, we're getting close here. And we are supposed to have a vaccine, they say, they hope, before the end of the year. So with all of that happening, the choice is really going to be, do you want to put in charge uh, a Democrat party? Because th- you're, you're voting for the party. You're not, These candidates are irrelevant. Biden and Harris ultimately mean very little to the Democrat faithful. They're just the two people that happen to get the nod this time around. But no, no one thinks that they're impressive. No one thinks that they're going to personally lead in any meaningful way. And if anything, I've told you, I believe that Biden's going to step aside and make room for Kamala Harris in uh, by the time of the of the midterms, if they win, if they win this election, Kamala Harris will be the president of the United States running for reelection uh, in 2024. I really believe that. Uh, so with all that, you got to say, what are they going to do that makes things better? They're going to raise taxes. They're going to pander to the environmentalist left, which is a a religious group pretending to be a science based policy initiative uh, with the climate change craziness and all that. They're going to go back to a mindset of America is kind of the bad guy in world affairs. And we need to bow and beg our enemies, uh, bow to and, and beg for forgiveness to our enemies and maybe do some military intervention somewhere on humanitarian under humanitarian guidelines uh, that has nothing to do really with u.s national security interests i mean just go down the list raise your taxes enlarge the government more welfare more bureaucrats what are they going to do that makes anything better i mean their their health care plan we went through all this stuff with obamacare really so that they could expand medicaid which is welfare and take 
money from some people in the individual market to transfer it to other people with slightly less money in the individual market. And then put some other mandates in place. And they didn't solve health care. And they've been saying they want to do Medicare for all. They're not going to get that through Congress, I don't think, but they'll keep saying. The, the, one, the one radical transformation that I truly believe the Democrats will enact if, they, if Joe Biden wins in this election, I believe they will do an executive-based amnesty. Uh, similar to what Obama did with, think of it like an expansion of DACA. Right, which he, Obama tried to do. Remember, DACA, Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals. They, they tried to make it DAPA, Deferred Action for the Parents of the Arrivals. And as I was saying at the time, just wait till they get the deferred action for the cousins of recent arrivals. And then it's deferred action for the friends of the cousins. I mean, all of a sudden you're at everybody, really. All with the with a pen and a phone, right? Remember, pen and a phone. They're going to do amnesty. And, and then you're looking at an entire realignment of American politics because the Socialist Democrat Party, the party of the big state and of the redistribution of wealth and of identity politics, Race-based politics, that's what identity politics are. That will become enshrined in America for generations to come. That will be the power structure in America. Socialism, race-based politics, and an overwhelming, over, uh, overriding state apparatus. Big S state, right? The, the government Leviathan. That's what's going to happen. And I don't think there's any way for anybody to convince me otherwise. I, I believe that this is what's going to occur and i think that the obama administration uh really set the stage for this so then you do have to ask what is it that would benefit what would be of benefit to people if biden and harris were to win you turn around and say well the only thing that that is going to work here in the pitch for why you should vote for those two is that the country's in such bad shape things are so terrible that any change must be better and right now, the country's beginning to just peek out from being in hiding and feeling like we've all been under this this rolling house arrest, panic porn absurdity, largely because of the media, and the Democrat Party, and not entirely, but largely. And now it feels like maybe we're going to get through this. And the fundamental question I ask people is, 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 is it shouldn't be. Are you better off now than you were four years ago? It's do you want the America that you had in 2019 before a global pandemic hit? Do you want that country back where everyone's getting wealthier? Safety is on the rise. The government's doing well. We're getting great trade deals. We're securing the border. Do you want that country back or not? Because if the answer is yes, you want America 2019 back for 2021 for four more years? You are going to have to fight like heck, my friends, for the next 60 days plus. Get ready for it. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. I think it would be in the uh, United States' interest uh, to rejoin um, the Iran agreement, uh, just as it would be to rejoin the climate agreement. Uh, we are now the only nation not in uh, the Paris Climate Accord. But with respect to Iran, um, I think it's important for the United States to try to um, 
not only rejoin the agreement, but to try to put that lid back on the Iranian nuclear weapons program and keep it uh, firmly on uh, while trying to continue preventing uh, a nuclear arms race uh, with the Saudis or the Emiratis or the Egyptians or whoever else thinks that if Iran has a nuclear weapon uh, program, they should have one, too. She's back. What happened? Hillary. Oh, yes. Still, still getting attention from Democrats. I'm telling you, she is the former Broadway star who's no longer an understudy. She's collecting tickets or uh, sweeping up after the show, but she waits in the wings for that opportunity to leap forward and all of a sudden be in the spotlight again. Um, But she is uh, setting this up in a way that is useful for us to think about. She's saying that she would want the Iran, uh, the Iran deal back, the Paris Climate Accord, all this stuff that, let's really be honest about it, is mostly beloved by liberals who don't understand any of these things. But the brand is such that they believe they're smarter for supporting the climate change agreement in Paris. They think they're smarter because the Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action, the JCPOA, is something that the really smart Obama administration told them they should support. They're skipping past with all of this. Hillary is certainly skipping past that the reason Trump got elected was because many of those things from the Obama era were not nearly as popular as Democrats tried to make everyone believe. And we've also seen the results of them. Think of all the fighting, all the back and forth uh, battles over the constitutionality of and the implementation of uh, Obamacare. Has Obamacare made your health care better? Has it really helped you? In any does, is anyone listening to this like, yeah, because of Obamacare, everything is great. Uh, it's just not true. And you look at the foreign policy of the Obama administration, it was an abomination. And Hillary wants us to go back to that? No, Trump won because of what Obama did for eight years. And I'm just going to say it. Obama won in large part because of what Bush did. So why is it that we would think going back to what was rejected the last time around would be better for Democrats? I don't know. Maybe that's why the post office controversy comes in thanks for listening to the bus sex and show podcast remember to subscribe on apple podcast the iheart radio app or wherever you get your podcasts remember the democrats are telling you that you should vote for them or not you if you listen to this show they probably know you're you're a lost cause for them but that americans should vote for them because they are so much better so much smarter you know, I, I had a lawyer friend point something out to me uh, yesterday. He said, do you know that Michelle Obama, Hillary Clinton, and Kamala Harris, all with, uh, well, Kamala Harris, I forget where she went to law school, but Hillary went to Yale Law School, which is arguably the best law school in the country. Michelle Obama went to Harvard Law School, which is usually thought of as, I think, the number two law school in the country. And uh, Kamala went to like a, a state law school in, in the UC system, I believe. And, you know, all three of them failed the bar exam on their first try. I'm just going to go on a limb and say not a lot of people that in the in in that era in particular uh, who went to Harvard Law or Yale Law fail the bar exam. And I my friend told me, you know, this isn't just 
it's not a question necessarily of how, how smart an individual is. It's actually really about dedication and, and work ethic. Because if you study and you're a reasonable lawyer, you'll pass. And now you could say that's just a little minor thing. I, I think it's interesting because we're always told that these Democrats are so, so smart. And then look who they put forward. First of all, the people that they tell us are so brilliant, like Hillary Clinton, are cunning. Hillary Clinton is, is conniving. But why is she brilliant exactly? She married a guy who threw a fluke, who was, a, who was bright, but everyone's, oh, Bill Clinton's some kind of a genius. No, he's just good at walking around, shaking hands and kissing babies and squeezing ladies' bums and all, you know. The guy's not some genius. So much of this is just what people say to sound like they understand something about politics. If you were a casual reader of newspapers and you watched the occasional news broadcast in the 90s, you were trained to think that Bill Clinton was, was brilliant. Rhodes Scholar, brilliant. And they'll throw out these credentialing programs as evidence of why the, the Democrat in question is so... You'll never hear that Donald Trump went to Wharton arguably the best business school in the world. Right? They never talk. They don't bring that into the conversation. The same way that it didn't matter that Bush went to Yale and I think Harvard Business School. Didn't matter. He's a dumbass, they would say, right? But Democrats, it's, oh, look at the fancy schools they went to. Well, Michelle Obama went to Harvard Law School and failed the bar exam. Hillary Clinton went to Yale Law School and failed the bar exam. Kamala Harris went to a law school, failed the bar exam. It's interesting, isn't it? Those are some of the top people. You got the VP, the former first lady, well, and the former first lady, and the former secretary of state and former senator. And we're always told that they're so they're so brilliant. But then when you actually look at who's put forward, look, there are, unfortunately, plenty of brilliant Democrats. They tend to, you know, run enormous businesses like Amazon or work in Silicon Valley. And, you know, there are there are people who are super smart. Obviously, there's half the country's Democrat, but I'm just talking about their leadership. I'm talking about who they elevate and who they're trying to elevate with this DNC convention. And I'm just not it's just not impressive. They're just not impressed. You look at this lineup of speakers, Michelle Obama, Hillary Clinton, Bernie Sanders, Gretchen Whitmer. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Have you left your house today? Because you're not allowed. Oh, no. Oh, not allowed to leave your house. You're on your lockdown, sir. It's for your own good. We like to call it house arrest. How about a muffin? Uh, yeah. No. I'm, I'm not impressed by any of this. But that's all part of the branding. I bring this up largely because I want you to be aware of the way the pop, uh, propaganda seeps in. You know, we're all always told, you know, Hillary Clinton is so smart. I've met brilliant people in my life. And you know they're brilliant very quickly. It's not hard to tell, not hard to figure it out. And I don't think Hillary Clinton's brilliant at all. I think she's ruthless and completely amoral and self-interested in a way that is psychopathic. But, but sure, we can call her brilliant. Uh, you know, Michelle Obama gave a taped speech. I do five hours of extemporaneous radio every day. I'm supposed to be impressed by somebody reading off of a prompter. Okay, I mean, I, I look, I know presidents of both parties do this and it's standard, but I, I, I'm starting to I'm starting to be a guy who just I can't be told these things anymore and not. I mean, I've always thought it was it was nonsense, but I can't be told these things and be quiet.
I can't be told that Bernie Sanders, who is now just completely like, I'm a corporatist, vote for, vote for Biden. He's going to make things fantastic. It's going to be great. It's going to be the most progressive. Oh, well, well, here, you can actually hear it from the burn himself. He will get us to play clip 14, please. Joe will also make it easier for workers to join unions, create 12 weeks of paid family leave, fund universal pre-K for three and four year olds and make child care affordable for millions of families. Joe will rebuild our crumbling infrastructure and fight the threat of climate change by transitioning us to 100 percent clean electricity over the next 15 years. These initiatives will create millions of good paying jobs all across our country. We don't need these people to transition us to clean electricity. This is this is rooted in religious belief. There's there's no basis for this other than the completely absurd, the absurd position that uh, the world is the world is going to start to melt or is going to end unless we have a radical, a great leap forward or really feel like a great leap backward of of renewable energy sources. We are already decarbonizing and we have been for a long time in our energy sources. We're more and more efficient, more natural gas less coal this is this is already happening but it's happening based on the market and based on technology but that's not enough democrats have to create for a lot of people especially those who have turned away from religion spirituality morality dare i say uh, they need a a reason to exist and that reason is the religion of climate change but bernie sanders is just willing to come out now and throw throw his whole weight behind joe biden if I were a, a real Sanders bro, if I were one of the Bernie bros out there, there is no way, absolutely no way that I would um, accept what the Democrat Party has done here. Just wouldn't do it. Couldn't do it. Right. They they stole it from him in 2016 and they stole it from him in the in the 2020 election for for the 2020 cycle the establishment was just like no 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 it can't really be bernie that would have been an interesting campaign at least i mean to have an open socialist would have been really worthwhile i would have really enjoyed watching those debates but remember no one really thinks biden's going to do well in debates no one thought that bernie sanders in a general election debate was going to look sane and no one's impressed by Kamala Harris. This is the best they can do. A lot of things, a lot of places where you could criticize President Trump. Fine. But the guy is dynamic. He is fearless. He is unbelievably energetic. And he has a gut level instinct about politics and just about what's going to work as a general as a general concept. What's real? What's going to get it done? That makes him a very useful political figure. That makes him somebody who was able to create a one-man movement without the party infrastructure behind him. In fact, the party infrastructure of the, of the uh, GOP was against him. The only person that was similar to that was Bernie Sanders, but he's a socialist, and Democrats can't be too honest about what they really want to do and how they're really going to go. <sighs> Speaking of too honest... 
at this point, it's it's beyond parody when you have these these former Republicans. Usually they're consultants or and they I'm not going to name that because, you know, you don't. Well, none of you are going to listen. to You know, there's the Lincoln Project, these former consultant types out there who. Will make the conservative case, they say for abortion or the conservative case for socialism, the, the conservative case for uh, climate change based authoritarianism, whatever it is, right? All, they, they will contort and distort conservatism and the right for their own near term financial benefit and to, and do so while holding themselves up as as the, the, the truth tellers, the ones who will, who will speak truth to power. No, they are the quizlings. They are begging from the scraps from the Democrats' table. It's gross. And you know who fits into that category is among the most, uh, the most distasteful, the most unlikable of all Republican politicians. And no, I'm not talking about Mitt Romney, although I could. Kasich. Kasich is out there. Stumping for Democrats now at this DNC, speaking out against Trump, and there's other Republicans too. Let's hear from these clowns so we can knock them down. Play 13. I'm a lifelong Republican, but that attachment holds second place to my responsibility to my country. That's why I've chosen to appear at this convention. In normal times, something like this would probably never happen, but these are not normal times. I'm proud of my Republican heritage. It's the party of Lincoln who reflected its founding principles of unity and a higher purpose. But what I have witnessed these past four years belies those principles. I'm sure there are Republicans and independents who couldn't imagine crossing over to support a Democrat. They fear Joe may turn sharp left and leave them behind. I don't believe that because I know the measure of the man. It's reasonable, faithful, respectful. And you know, no one pushes Joe around. Joe Biden is a man for our times, times that call for all of us to take off our partisan hats and put our nation first for ourselves and, of course, for our children. Kasich is a slimy loser, and I'm not sure that Joe Biden can tie his shoes, his own shoes or Kasich's shoes. But sure, let's hear let's hear from Kasich on this one. I, I really despise the the never Trump conceit that somehow they haven't fully morphed into Democrats because they are now Democrats. When you're rooting for the Democrat Party, when you're raising money for it, when you're trying to help Democrats win, you're no longer acting on principle. You're acting on selfishness. You see, that's what's really motivating and has all along the never Trump position. They are pawns. They are tools to be used for the benefit of Democrats and to do so under this uh, under this guise, under this pretense of being um, people who are moral and ethical and the real Republicans, the real Republicans want Democrats to win. That's their position. It's gross, but it is what they're saying. But let, let's move to now, shall we? Michelle Obama, the 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 keynote, if you will, of the first night of the DNC. Let, let's hear what Michelle Obama had to say about all of this. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. I know Joe. 
He is a profoundly decent man guided by faith. He was a terrific vice president. He knows what it takes to rescue an economy, beat back a pandemic and lead our country. And he listens. He will tell the truth and trust science. He will make smart plans and manage a good team. And he will govern as someone who's lived a life that the rest of us can recognize. Okay, what is the uh, evidentiary basis for all of these claims? It's essentially the the real pitch that Michelle Obama made for Joe Biden last night. I'm sure you're going to hear it tonight and tomorrow night as this DNC debacle continues. What's the real pitch? It's that he is such a great guy and is going to make such good decisions. Where's the evidence of that in his background? What can we point to where we say Joe Biden really took the reins there? He's a guy who gets things done. With what exactly? I I just want to know. His calling card used to be foreign policy. But when you ask what is the foreign policy initiative or plan that Joe Biden pushed for and turned out to make him look really prescient, really brilliant. What is it? I don't I can't think. I mean, I know that he's been wrong on a lot of stuff. He was wrong on matters of war and peace. He was wrong on matters of trade. He was pretty much just willing to do whatever he thought he should do at the time in order to keep getting reelected. The senator from Delaware. Oh, and did the bidding of the credit card companies. Credit card companies, which I will I will remind you, and this is true on a bipartisan basis, although it's worse with Democrats like Biden than anybody else. We're able to get away with things like moving due dates and uh, playing games so they could jack up people's interest rates. Things that if if it weren't carved out in the law for credit card companies, other other places, other people with similar conduct would be considered fraud. So credit card companies have played very rough in the past and, and have gotten away with all kinds of stuff. But they've owned people in the Senate and the Congress like Joe Biden. Where is this great ethical Oh, didn't Joe Biden accuse Mitt Romney of wanting to put black Americans, quote, put y'all back in chains, end quote? Really a a horrible smear of Mitt Romney and of the Republican Party, uh, but willing to exploit any uh, racial, uh, racially based slander. Uh, In order to try to take down Republicans. So he'll say whatever he has to say, whenever he has to say it. There's been no issue where I've seen Joe Biden cross the aisle in in my adult lifetime and be a meaningful, sober voice on something that mattered. Joe Biden is the classic Democrat hack politician. But Michelle Obama doesn't care. Play 12. Being president doesn't change who you are. It reveals who you are. Well, A presidential election can reveal who we are, too. And four years ago, too many people chose to believe that their votes didn't matter. Maybe they were fed up. Maybe they thought the outcome wouldn't be close. Maybe the barriers felt too steep, whatever the reason. In the end, those choices sent someone to the Oval Office who lost the national popular vote by nearly three million votes. In one of the states that determined the outcome, the winning margin averaged out to just two votes per precinct. Two votes. 
and we've all been living with the consequences. Oh, so voter fraud could be a really big deal then. Thanks, Michelle. Thanks for listening to the Bus Sexton Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. I appreciate Michelle Obama highlighting the very narrow difference between one candidate winning a certain state and another. So I'm glad that maybe now we can all get on the same page about how Voter fraud, which is real and happens, is important because it could be the difference between one person winning the election and another person losing the election, as evidenced by the cases of voter fraud we've seen and the very narrow vote margin. If you really want to see how close this stuff can be, go back and look at the Senate race with Al Franken and Norm Coleman, where it was down to the hundreds of votes. And there were people finding votes in the trunks of cars, and it was all it was a big mess. But the Democrats, as soon as As soon as they sense an opportunity, as soon as they see that blood in the water, they go all out. Whatever they got to do to get it done. Doesn't matter what good faith is abandoned, what laws are broken. As long as they can get away with it, they'll do it. Now, the the party that has no problem, and, and I'm sure had nothing to say. Think about this. Did you hear anything? I didn't hear, and I didn't watch the whole thing. I didn't hear anything last night about how the Democrats are speaking out to shut down the rioters, the looters, the Democrats are saying, we disavow that. That's not who we are. Knock that crap off. You think they said anything about that? No, of course not. Those are their shock troops. That's the Democrat base. Those are Biden voters, Kamala voters. They're not going to upset them. So they drag people out of cars, beat them almost to death, light businesses on fire, and might as well be all wearing Biden Kamala t-shirts while they do it. Democrats don't have anything to say about that. No, no, much better to focus on how evil Trump is. This is all just a very standard referendum on whether or not Donald Trump should get four more years based entirely on how many people they can convince to be Trump deranged and to hate Donald Trump, to think that he's been terrible when that's just not true. It's not true. What they said about him in the first three years was just laughable, right? They were completely insane. And now to blame all of the covid uh, crisis on him just would have you'd have to ignore what states have gone through where governors were making the decisions. Remember, Trump left it to the he's such a tyrant. He's such an autocrat that he left it to governors like Cuomo, uh, who we will be talking about more to run their own response. And now they want to tell us that he just was Trump was not up for this. He doesn't have it. There's Michelle Obama again, 19. Donald Trump is the wrong president for our country. He has had more than enough time to prove that he can do the job, but he is clearly in over his head. He cannot meet this moment. He simply cannot be who we need him to be for us. It is what it is. Why can't he meet this moment? But Joe Biden, who is clearly not up for holding any job, really, let's be honest. Not, not any job with any real responsibility. Feeding the ducks in the park, you know, eating his TV dinner, going for a, a walk with a blanket around his shoulders. You know, he's up for those kinds of jobs. He's not up for being leader of the free world. He's just not. Why does he feel the need to do this? Because his whole life has been about the advancement of Joe Biden while pretending it's about the advancement of the people who vote for him. This is just who he is. This is what he does. 
never time. I will say there is a there is a boomer phenomenon that we are all dealing with now because people live much longer. They have, you know, the lifespan has increased dramatically, even just the last few, a couple of generations. Uh, there are boomers who just ne- never want to stop working in their role professionally. They don't, they don't want to move on to something else. There are other things in life. There is family. There is introspection. There is religion. There is culture. There is leisure. There are all these things. Now, I know a lot of you are going to say, Buck, I'm a boomer. I'm retired. Yeah, I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about what I call the Larry King disease. I'm the only guy who can do this. I got to be the one doing it. Larry King was still advocating for uh, for himself to take over from Piers Morgan after Piers Morgan took his job. He's like, I want my job back. Hey, New York, you're on line one, right? I mean, this is crazy. You know, at some point, it's time to think about other things. Biden's at that point. And look, in seven or eight years, I'm sure Trump would be, too. Right? It's just this is the natural life cycle. The same way that you can be too young to run for president, you can be too old and too infirm to run for president. And Biden is there and they all know it and they're lying to you. They don't care. They were willing to say it a year ago when they were sure that Cory Booker or Kamala Harris or Elizabeth Warren or Elizabeth Warren. How old is Elizabeth? She's she's, she's got a lot of spunk. She's ready to go. Oh, she's she's feisty. I'm going to get me a beer. Uh, You know, you look at some of the younger Castro. uh, Beto. Beto O'Rourke. You look at some of the other people that were being held up by the media as the next great thing for the Democrat Party. And they all kind of thought the media thought. And of course, they don't know anything. They also thought that Trump was a joke. Uh, They thought that somebody else would win. And so they're willing to say out loud what was so apparent to all of us, which is that Biden gets confused and is simply too old for this. But in that sense, he's also perfect for the Democrats, because not only will he just pass the torch to Kamala. So you'll get somebody that the Democrat apparatus with Kamala wants in power, but who the American people would not actually vote for. And I'm talking about Democrats. They'll get that. And all because they were able to fool people into thinking that Joe Biden is, well, Joe Biden is someone who is going to lead us into a better, brighter future. Um, This is utter nonsense. I, I don't know how any person who takes himself or herself seriously can say it with a straight face, but they they're doing it and they're going to keep doing it. This claim that Biden is such a, a moral man. Again, based on what? I mean, his son, I guess we're not going to talk about Hunter Biden anymore. Hunter Biden is out there doing all kinds of shady stuff, personally and professionally. And Joe Biden, look, I know family dynamics can be complicated. I'm not blaming Joe Biden for the fact that his son is a, is a derelict. But Joe Biden also enabled some of that behavior. Professionally, for an adult, right? It's not like dealing with a wayward teenage son who... I haven't done that yet, but I hear that can be a real handful. Joe Biden allowed all of that. Joe Biden has a history of lying. Joe Biden, and what I know is, oh, Buck, Trump lies. This is what they always, anytime you speak to a Trump hater about anything and they're caught, they always just go back to Trump lies. And you're like, oh, we're going to do this again. Trump lies. And he said there were good people on both sides. And the great irony, of course, is that they're lying when they say that because that's not what he said. But that's made a that's made a comeback. 
uh, Joe Biden is a is an obvious and intense mediocrity. Always has been. The guy's not a winner. As evidenced by the fact that when he tried for the big job, he was kind of a laughing stock. And he's tried several times in the past. It was like a joke. So now the guy who was a joke in the past when he ran as president, we're told, is the answer to our prayers because the Democrats don't have anything better on the cupboard or off the shelf. That's, that's what we're being told. Well, I guess they might as well have some more musical numbers at the DNC to convince us of all of this. I, I, I suppose they should. It's, it's, it's outrageous, friends. It's just outrageous. But get ready for two more nights of it. I am so dedicated, so devoted to this show that I think I'm going to watch the DNC tonight just so I can pick it all apart. Um, but I also will tell you that none of you should waste your time. I'll do it for you because no one's even going to remember in a week. There's not going to be any bounce coming out of this. There's not going to the, the absence. There's a reason why pageantry and theatrics and politics are what they are. Because the visuals, the sounds, the feeling of these things matters, obviously. Otherwise, we would have been doing, you know, just a, a, a taped speech. And, a, you know, here you go. We'd be doing these virtual, virtual uh, conventions stretching back for a long time. And the lack of all those things, there's no, it's impossible to manufacture excitement when it looks like I'm being told that we're, you know, raising money to, to save the double-crested cormorant for being put on the, you know, you know, endangered species list or something. They're not endangered, but you know what I mean. We're trying to save the spotted owl. Send money, your gift of $5 a month for the spotted owl. And like they got the phone bank behind them. That was what the DNC night one looked like. They even had some of those production value issues where they're like, hey, Bernie, you're on. You could hear them. And he's like, oh, here I am on TV, going to talk to you. You know, it was like something. It was also amateurish. I will say, though, I kind of like that uh, from an analyst perspective, because so many of these people that you see out there, the, the stagecraft around them, you're always you're always seeing them on cable news. You're seeing them on an, a, a literally elevated platform of a stage. You're seeing them under certain lighting. You're seeing them. And and even when they're doing, the, you know, here I am, just another guy shaking hands, eating pot pie, you know, the whole thing. I don't know why everybody's burning all of a sudden. I just miss doing the Bernie voice. Yeah, I'm like at an event. I'm like, I have a super rich wife and I'm kind of like, like a house dad who thinks he should be president. But, you know, Beto out there doing all the stuff that he does. Uh, you have all that going on. Now, when you see some of these Democrat candidates without that glitz and glamour around them, you go, this person? This is who I'm supposed to think is so. This is the person whose judgment is so fantastic. Remember, our politics is now it's just a celebrity competition, really. And yes, we do have a guy who ran the celebrity apprentice as our current president, because that's really what this is. It is a celebrity popularity contest. The politicians are just a different kind of celebrity. That's why name recognition is so powerful. That's why they're going with Joe Biden. Because Obama, Biden, everybody knows the guy has universal name recognition. He can't recognize squat these days, but people know who he is. What a, the whole thing is, is such a, a cynical sham. The whole Democrat, uh, the whole Democrat movement right now and the, the pitch and the explanation 
it's tough for me. I go between feeling like it's just absurd and hilarious to feeling like a little a little bit of terror from if these people get in power again, how else are they going to make my life more difficult? How else are they going to make people miserable? I do worry about that. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Do these Democrat luminaries have good judgment? This wasn't from the actual DNC, but it was shared during it by none of the Mr. James Woods, who I mentioned earlier on in the show. And here is uh, here is Michelle Obama showing you what kind of judgment she has. Play five. I want to start by thanking Harvey Weinstein for organizing this amazing day. This is possible because of Harvey. Uh, he is a wonderful human being, a good friend, and uh, just a powerhouse. And the fact that he and his team took the time to make this happen for all of you should say something not about me or about this place, but about you. All right? Everybody, we are here because of you. Yep. Harvey Weinstein, wonderful person, great friend. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Oh, you're amazing. And make sure you give uh, one of the Obama daughters an internship, which he did do. So, uh, look, I understand. You know, maybe she didn't know that the guy that she said was a close friend and a wonderful person was a rapist. But did she really not know that he was a disgusting and and horrible human being based on the way that he interacted with pretty much everybody he dealt with professionally always? Had had no idea, huh? Hmm. Now, I'm not saying that she's in any way blameworthy. I'm just saying, does Michelle Obama have good judgment? She didn't have good judgment about Harvey Weinstein. That's, That's for sure. And... Oh, I did. I wanted to get to this uh, because I, I think it's important we remember who the Democrats put forward and that they are held to account. We haven't heard much from Governor Governor Christie in a while. Well, he weighed in on um, Chris Christie, and here's what he. I'm sorry, he weighed in on uh, John Kasich. I mean, and here's what he had to say. Play ten. Chris Christie, four years ago, Meg Whitman and Christy Ty Whitman both endorsed Hillary Clinton. So how big a threat are these Republican endorsements tonight? Zero. Zero. I mean, they're meaningless. They weren't with her. Uh, they were with her four years ago. Now they're with Biden. No surprise. And John Kasich, just to show you where John Kasich's standing is in the Republican Party, when he was the only Republican governor left on the stage in 2016, Donald Trump, Ted Cruz, and John Kasich, the three candidates left. Do you know how many Republican governors of his colleagues, his sitting colleagues at the time, endorsed John Kasich? Zero. And the reason they did to endorse him is because he's a backstabber and he's an untruthful guy. And so tonight, Republicans are going to look at that and go, you can have him. Please believe me. Give us a break. Get him out of our party. You take him for a little while. Because on top of all that, I've worked with John a lot. He's exhausting. Joe Biden's going to be getting calls from, uh, from John Kasich. He's going to want to change his phone number. Christie does still throw a good punch. Got to give the guy credit. Or maybe he's best when he... Jumps off the top turnbuckle. Whatever. He knows how to take somebody out. He knows how to take somebody out. So I, I think it, we, we should at least get a chance to hear 
uh, get to hear of, about these Republicans that were turning because that was a big part of it. Oh, even the Republicans, the Republican base is with Trump, you know, 97, 99 to one or something like that. I mean, the Republican Party is firmly united behind Donald Trump because he delivered on a lot of major promises. And more than that, your your choices are the insane socialists who think that gender isn't real, who want to make all kinds of demands about race and affirmative action and not let you even talk about it. You just obey. Uh, they, they want to spend the country into oblivion. They want modern monetary theory. They want open borders and amnesty and an increased welfare state. Laws to be applied based upon social justice categories, not upon our common humanity and the need for all people to be held accountable for what they do. That's what the Democrats stand for. Does that get anybody? Anybody? Except, does that feel uh, like that's Republican to anybody? I just I would want to know. I'd want an answer to that question, but we're not going to get an answer to that question because people are ultimately uh, very selfish. Oh, and here's Bernie's great burn. The great burn of Trump from the burn. Play 20. As long as I am here, I will work with progressives, with moderates, and yes, with conservatives to preserve this nation from a threat that so many of our heroes fought and died to defeat. This president is not just a threat to our democracy, but by rejecting science, he has put our lives and health in jeopardy. Trump has attacked doctors and scientists trying to protect us from the pandemic while refusing to take strong action to produce the masks, gowns and gloves our health care workers desperately need. Nero fiddled while Rome burned. Trump golfs. Oh, there it is. Nero fiddled while Trump. Well, well, Rome burned, Trump golfs while Rome, I mean, come on. I can't believe as many Democrats as did supported this guy. Talk about a clown. Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Like Biden, he doesn't know what to do. He doesn't come out because he can't. He, he doesn't take any questions from reporters. I keep saying to my people, you know, here I am getting getting bombs thrown at me every day by people that are, are totally, you know, frankly, dishonest reporters. But I'm getting, you know, they're, they're espousing the, the view of the radical left. But here I am, bombs every day, every day, every day, and do a good job in handling it. That's why my polls have gone up 10 or 12 points. I don't believe they were ever there, by the way. I think they're phony polls. I think they're suppression polls. You know, these suppression polls are supposed to suppress your enthusiasm, but they make our people angrier. But but this guy doesn't come out of his basement. And he hasn't taken one question. Somebody said yesterday, I don't know if this is so, but he hasn't answered one question in months. And the media let him get away with that. Instead of every day saying, wow, it seems really weird. In, in an environment where the only way to have your message reach voters is the virtual, is to do uh, interviews on TV, on the web, whatever. The, that's the only way. You're not going out. You're not kissing the babies and shaking hands and traveling all over the country, right? You're not doing that. Biden's not answering any questions. They're prepared statements. Very controlled environments. This guy's been in politics for over 40 years, folks. And they're, they're babying him. 
They're babying him. I, I, it couldn't be any more obvious. You can see it. But this is, this is where you have to remember there is a gaslighting that is going on here that they will never deviate from. I, I will give the Democrats credit for one thing. One area in which the Democrat Party really does excel is they can get their team, they can get their side to believe anything and forget anything. Has there been any sense from Democrats, as an example, that they're embarrassed about what happened with with Russia collusion? They lied about this for years. OK, they, they were telling us stuff for three years that turned out to be almost entirely. Uh, well, it was it was a, a fabrication and couldn't have been more obvious that what was going on was, in fact, a political hit, right? That that's what they were doing. I mean, so, so by way of review, there's no, there's no accountability for this at all. Because even the most crazy conspiracy theory involving President Donald Trump will get traction among Democrats. Even the most so-called sophisticated political minds will fall prey to the outlandish anti-Trump fairy tales that are told. Right. First came Russia collusion for three years of the Trump presidency. The news media ran wild with their theories of international scheming and traitorous undermining of American democracy. The scheme had its foundation in the report from, remember, Christopher Steele, sloppy British ex-spy. This guy dressed up gossip as intel reporting, duped an all too willing cabal at the FBI with lurid tales of golden showers and prostitutes in Moscow among other outrageous charges that even Sanctacomi himself was willing to believe and go forward with. And Clapper and Brennan, these people are idiots. They're not smart. That's the, the first thing you have to know about many of the people in politics that you are told that you have to listen to is that they claim, the claim in the media is that they're so smart. They're not smart. You can't be that intelligent and have such bad judgment. You can't be that intelligent and be so easily fooled. Just going to say it. This is one of the reasons Democrats are so insecure in their ideology, because they they one of the attractions of being a Democrat is that you get to think you're really smart because that's what the smart people are. Never mind that it's stupid to believe that picking one of two major parties in a country, of 320 million people says anything about your intelligence level as an individual. But Democrats believe that it makes them smart. Republicans support it because they like the party. They don't think it means they have faster firing synapses. Well, let's go back to this Christopher Steele situation. OK, so you got this spy, ex-spy, which I mean, I'm an ex-spy. This is, you know, come on. This guy was a government bureaucrat who peddles this nonsense. And it was so silly that even a thriller writer would have passed on it as a plot for a novel. CNN and the national media, though, no such reservations. The Russia collusion line led to countless hours of media coverage, a years-long special counsel investigation, and now we know beyond any reasonable doubt the Russia collusion scheme was a fairy tale. The Mueller probe confirmed it. The Durham investigation already racked up its first prosecution of a former FBI lawyer who was part of the fabrication. Nonetheless, the political maneuvering of the Russia collusion catastrophe served its purpose for a time. As I always tell you, my friends, you know what I'm going to say. The process 
was the punishment. Although they wanted more punishment than that, too. Trump's administration spent enormous energy and resources defending itself from the fabrication of Hillary Clinton's Democratic Party and the handful of deep state plotters who were inside the federal bureaucracy. The idea of collusion also gave the Democrat base a comforting story to tell that absolved Hillary of losing, and it redirected its constituents' anger. To the Democrat faithful, Russia collusion meant that Trump cheated, so he isn't really the president. Now the Democrats are running the same playbook for the 2020 election with this post office nonsense. The post office conspiracy team is becoming the Democrats' uh, new narrative, their secret weapon, if you will, to fire up the base and undermine any Trump victory before a single vote is cast. We talked about this yesterday, right? The new theory is that Donald Trump's trying to defund or even eliminate the United States Postal Service in order to stop vote-by-mail operations across the country. The evidence for this ranges from the dishonest to the absurd. Remember photos appearing across social media over the weekend showing post office employees removing mailboxes from the street and also photos of locked mailboxes? Turned out all that was nothing. Nothing nefarious or even unusual. Post offices often adjust Dropbox location. Didn't matter. Story was too good for Trump to pass up. People already want to believe that the president is going to cheat in an election that hasn't happened yet. They are sure. They are sure that he must cheat this time because they're sure that he cheated last time. Even though the evidence should tell them that that was all a lie, doesn't matter. They believe what they want to believe. Democrat leadership like Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer going full throttle with these allegations against Trump that he's undermining the post office as a voter suppression scheme because he's not going to agree to what? The $25 billion bailout check they want? Pop music star Taylor Swift, as we talked about, weighed in on this, saying on Twitter that Trump's calculated dismantling of USPS proves one thing clearly. He is well aware, all caps, that we do not want him as our president. Maybe you don't, T-Swift. I will never buy another T-Swift album again. Look, these allegations against Trump are nuts. The Postal Service doesn't answer to Trump. It's, it's funded till 2021. There's no danger that Trump can pull all the money from the post office, and he's not even threatening to do so. In reality, a place where Democrats are uncomfortable and refuse to live, in reality, Democrats have decided they want universal mail-in ballots for this election without anything near the logistical planning or funding surge necessary to prepare for that in something even approaching a reasonable fashion. It's also a massive invitation for voter fraud, which is likely to be in in what's going to be a very tight election. And that's why when Michelle Obama says that it was just a couple of votes in some precincts that determined the winner. Exactly. Voter fraud is real. And we should be fighting against it without Democrats fighting against our efforts to make the election legitimate. Beyond that, the USPS, as we've discussed, is a poorly run entity. It's losing billions a year, right? $78 billion since 2007 lost. Trump is advocating for changes to it, that it be pared down and streamlined. That's just common sense. But common sense is not only in short supply when it comes to Democrat policies. They are allergic to it. They don't like it. 
Instead of acknowledging the real problems the USPS has, Democrats have seized the moment for maximum political advantage. They're claiming Trump's refusal to cave to their every demand is tantamount to another Russia collusion election theft. 2020 election just weeks away. We can all see what's at play here. This post office conspiracy not only fires up the Democrat base, it also gives them that ready excuse just in case Trump wins. He stole it, will be the rallying cry of the resistance. And guess what? We will all be worse off because of this lie. But lies are what they are going to tell. Lies are what we should expect. More of them than we've ever seen before. Oh, and also, AOC has an idea for how to fix the post office. Get ready for it. You might want to save your brain. You might want to cover your ears so your brain doesn't turn into mush the moment you hear this. So you don't AOC-ify your brain when you hear her idea. Play clip six. Hello, everyone. I have been thinking about ways to help you help the post office. And I think I've got an idea and I'm interested in hearing your thoughts. So one of the best ways to support the post office is to buy stamps. What do you all think? Would you guys be down and excited if I set up a national progressive pen pal program, um, do all the work of connecting you to somebody else? We would offer maybe some conversation prompts or postcard prompts and even like a printable postcard format. You just send it out. Uh, Would you guys be down? Do you like that idea? Um, No, I don't like that idea, but let's talk about this for a second because it's hilarious. A national progressive pen pal program. Uh, It it sounds like something that the commissars would have come up with or that you would have pulled out of the pages of the Communist Manifesto. But uh, let's think about this. First off, buying stamps is not going to save the post office. Because let's say I buy... I don't know what it would be, a $7 book of stamps today or you know, a $10 book of stamps today. I hold on to that. I'm not using those stamps. And as I use them, I already have my postage for them. So whether I buy stamps today or buy stamps in, in a few months, what difference does it make? Hillary could ask, right? What difference does it make? The answer is it doesn't make any difference. Unless you want to start increasing the output of mail that you are sending... Okay, and I guess that's why she's saying we're going to start a progressive pen pal program. Is she really thinking anyone's going to sign up for this? Just going to send, I, mean, I don't know, libs are crazy. Maybe this would work, maybe this would work for some of them. But you're just going to start sending uh, random postcards to people you've never met before in an era when people have instantaneous, not just text communication, but video and all these different social media platforms. You can talk to people all the time all over the world as much as you want. You're going to start sitting down and telling people, do we even teach cursive writing in public schools anymore? I've, I've heard that they're scaling way back on that. You're going to have people write out in, in old school block letters, little postcards to each other. I know what the postcard is going to say, too. We are, like, so scared of what's going to happen because of Donald Trump. And, like, AOC is, like, our savior. And I'm so upset because Trump is, like, worse than Hitler. Dot, dot, dot. Love and kisses, your progressive pen pal. Uh, 
I, I don't think that this is going to save the post office. I, I think that the $78 billion in the red that they've run up in the last 10 years is probably not going to be uh, not going to be dealt with by AOC getting uh, some people to start writing postcard to their progressive pen pal of this out of the country. You want to know where you can find progressive pen pals? Turn on MSNBC. Okay, that's where all your progressive pen pals are. Oh, gosh, it's so crazy, isn't it? It's so absurd, but it's how they do things. It's what they say. Got to bring it to you. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Oh, I almost forgot. Who who else of the of the parade of horribles that we've had to go through with this DNC? Who has been left out of our discussion today? And he's someone who I need to spend more time listening to so I can do a really good and very deeply mocking impersonation of. It would be. I uh, know. See, I, my Al Gore sounds like Eeyore, and that's not right. I, I can't do a good Al Gore impersonation, but Al Gore did appear uh, on at the DNC, or or has at least spoken. I was it, producer Mark. Was this at the DNC, or is he just talking yesterday? It must be at the DNC. Or is he just saying this? Al Gore? No, he was just on CNN, I think. Oh, he's just on CNN. All right. Well, then I didn't leave. I thought I left because I looked at the speakers lineup. I don't remember seeing. Him. I thought maybe he was. You know, maybe he was part of the pregame or whatever. Okay, so he's on CNN, and he wants some attention because no one pays attention to Al Gore anymore. Remember what he told us that the state of Florida is going to be underwater by now? Oops. Didn't end up happening. In fact, producer Mark wants to move there, so it's clearly not underwater. Not yet. Uh, here's Al Gore, though, doing his, his level best, doing everything that he can to get some attention for himself, including on shows like this one, I suppose. I saying something really grotesque and reckless. Play 18. I think he's kind of panicked uh, that the uh, announcement of Kamala Harris went off. It was a 10 out of 10. It was amazing. And he went to that stupid, uh, ridiculous, false birther thing right away and then had to take it back. Uh, and on the Postal Service, this is an act of desperation. And Americans understand, Anderson, that in, during a pandemic, there are lots of older voters and voters of all ages with a pre-existing condition who worry that they can't breathe safely uh, standing in line to vote. So, in effect, by tampering with the Postal Service, he is, in effect, putting his knee uh, on the neck of American democracy and trying to make it impossible for people to vote by mail. He is putting his knee on the neck of American democracy. I mean, come on, man. Really? A, a, we're talking about the Postal Service thing and that he's just to a George, a George Floyd reference to just really, really get that CNN audience all fired up. That, that's the fascinating thing. I would love to have a have a sit down conversation with a, a focus group, audi audience focus group from CNN and just ask them all. Do you realize the people you're watching are a bunch of vain morons and that you're not getting smarter by watching this? You're actually getting dumber. Do you realize that? I, I swear, I don't know. CNN somehow endures despite the fact that it, it, is, it is such a trash heap. It's such an embarrassment. But Al Gore knows that audience. He knows what he has to say in order to get in the news cycle for another day. But I, I guess he's upset because he's not invited to the DNC. Yep, he's not invited because he's the worst. 
Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. All you have to do is say the word. Every voter should ask themselves a simple question. Do you want the radical left policies of Chicago, Minneapolis, San Francisco imposed on the entire country? Look at Nancy Pelosi. San Francisco's going to hell, and she's in Congress saying what, what we should be doing. Look at the homeless problem in San Francisco. Look at what's happening in San Francisco. And then she's telling us about the post office. She has no clue. And I must tell you this. Uh, does she love our country? Does she love our country? I don't think so, to be honest with you. What she's done is a disgrace to our country. What she's done and Schumer crying, Chuck, crying, Chuck. He cries whenever it's important to cry. Do you want the failed policies of Mayor Bill de Blasio or Mayor Lori Lightfoot, Chicago, or Mayor Jacob Fry brought to every city and town in this nation? If left-wing Democrats can't run a city, why on earth would you let them run your country? One would think that the results of Democrat rule would prohibit Democrats from ever running another city and certainly the country along with it. If you were judging Democrats by what their ideas lead to in places uh, like Baltimore, New York, Los Angeles, San Francisco, Chicago, you'd say, well, this is a disaster. And yet the Democrat Party has a stranglehold, has a total lock on political power in those places, in those cities. So much so that they don't even feel the need to condemn outright calling for violence from BLM protesters. They won't suffer. The Democrats who run these cities, de Blasio, Cuomo at the state level, other people across the country who are running Democrat hellholes, they they won't suffer any consequences for allowing stuff like what we see in Portland or Seattle to happen in their cities. They, there's no impetus. There's no uh, push for them to condemn this stuff. I mean, here you had this was in in uh, Portland over the weekend is making the rounds now a BLM quote, protester, I think protest is far too generous a term, telling us exactly how devoted to the cause she is and and what she is willing to do. Play clip one. I said I will continue my mission for justice by any means necessary. Cops murderers. That's standard fare now for Democrats. That's might as well just sit back and watch CNN and MSNBC. You can see them calling cops murderers all the time, too. They have no problem with any of this. New York Times, same thing. How many murders in the last 30 days have there been of unarmed black men in the United States, a country of 330 million people by law enforcement? And the answer is zero. 
Oh, but it's a terrible plague that happens constantly in America. That's what the lib media says. That's what they want you to believe. I would want to ask this uh, BLM protester, what does she mean by any means necessary? Because if we're basing it on what we've already seen in cities across the country, that would mean a willingness to burn down buildings, to pull people out of cars and beat them senseless and almost to death, to destroy stores, to loot, to rob, to threaten to engage in what the mayor of Chicago has even said is organized criminal activity. Any means necessary, she says. The BLM movement of the past, remember this is the second time, this is the 2.0, the first BLM movement from the second term of the Obama administration after the lawful and justified shooting of Mike Brown by a police officer who did nothing wrong. The first iteration of BLM fell apart. Why? It's worth remembering. Because five members of the Dallas Police Department were murdered by a BLM supporter, and that came after two police officers in the NYPD, Lou and Ramos, murdered in their car by another BLM supporter. And I know people would say, well, those, th- those individuals were deranged, Yeah. So are thousands of the people marching in the streets, lying down in front of cars and then mobbing them, pulling people out, punching them, attacking them, spitting at cops, throwing rocks at cops. That's all crazy, too. Because why are they doing this? What do they think they are accomplishing with this? They don't have any good answers for that. Any means necessary. That is what we're up against. Worth remembering it as we go into this election. And worth remembering that Democrats will use, will leverage, will exploit people who tell you straight up they will do whatever they have to. Any means necessary is the promise of the BLM movement and the shock troops of the Democrat Party, Antifa, and all the rest of it. Don't forget that. Don't allow them to pretend that's not a major part of this conversation. There's a video that is going very viral a good video, of Kim Klasik. Now, I know Kim Klasik. She's a great, great lady. I've had her on, on my show before. Um, she's, I think, got a, a, a big future in politics, and she's very talented in media. She's a young African-American woman, a mother, wife, and she's running for Elijah Cummings' seat in Baltimore in Congress. And she has made a video that, does what you would think our mainstream media, if they were trying to actually do journalism, would have done so much nobody would pay any attention. She made a video where she just walks around Baltimore and shows you what it looks like, what's going on there, and then shares some very basic but important statistics and facts about what's going on there and who's in charge. I can tell you, having been in some of those same parts of Baltimore, that you feel like This can't be America. This can't be a major city on the East Coast of the United States in 2020. This it's just not possible for there to be so much uh, decay and despair and misery concentrated in one place. Here is the first part of this is remember this is an ad for Congress. It's very effective. It's gone viral. Here's Kim Klasik's first ad. Play clip three. Do you care about black lives? The people that run Baltimore don't. I can prove it. 
walk with me. They don't want you to see this. I'm Kim Klasik. This is Baltimore, the real Baltimore. This is the reality for black people every single day. Crumbling infrastructure, abandoned homes, poverty, and crime. Baltimore has been run by the Democrat Party for 53 years. What is the result of their decades of leadership? Baltimore is one of the top five most dangerous cities in America. The murder rate in Baltimore is 10 times the U.S. average. The Baltimore poverty rate is over 20%. Homicide, drug, and alcohol deaths are skyrocketing in our city. Do you believe Black Lives Matter? I do. The vast majority of crime in Baltimore is perpetrated against black people who make up 60% of the population. So why don't we care about our communities? The Democrat Party have betrayed the black people of Baltimore. If the politicians walk the streets like I do, they would see exactly how their policies and corruption affects us. What is there that the Democrats in Baltimore can point to and say, see, we've made things better? Where, where is the improvement? Decades in power. Failing schools, high poverty numbers, astonishing murder numbers, burnt out buildings all over the place, trash, trash, and more trash behind buildings and, and in between them. It just... People use these abandoned lots as landfills. It's unsanitary, attracts vermin. The whole It's terrible what goes on. What do Democrats point to as why they should be entrusted with more power? Oh, Trump's a racist. That's what they'll tell you. Democrats are for African-Americans. Republicans are not. That's it. That's what they'll that's what you'll be told. That's the only answer. It's never about the results. Because the results in Detroit, in Baltimore, in Missouri, the results in San Francisco, in Portland, major Democrat cities, the results are appalling when they have this kind of unified control. Remember, New York City was a terrible place under Democrat rule, and then a Republican came in and and cleaned it up, Rudy Giuliani, and then a sort of Republican, really an independent, Bloomberg just kept the Giuliani stuff in place and New York got a little bit lucky, too. But it wasn't Democrats that cleaned up New York City. Democrats don't clean up cities. They ruined them. Trump knows this, which is why he's making that point. But then there's another part of this. Kim asks uh, black residents of Baltimore on the streets, what do you think about defunding police, which is a rallying cry for the Democrat base? Play four. But they don't want to see it. They don't want you to see this. Go to any Baltimore neighborhood and ask this question. Do you want to defund the police? No. No. Absolutely not. I had three sons killed in Baltimore City. And I think if we defund the police, all this going to be worse than that. So, no, I'm opposed to that. What are you going to defund the police for? Why? How do you defend your city, your community? Families are losing people. It's not just Baltimore. The worst place for a black person to live in America is a Democrat-controlled city. It's 2020. Name a blue city where black people's lives have gotten better. Try. I'll wait. Look at this. How are children supposed to live here and play here? Democrats think black people are stupid. They think they can control us forever. 
that we won't demand better and that we'll keep voting for them forever, despite what they've done to our families and our community. Are they right? I'm Kim Klasik and I'm running for Congress because I actually care about black lives. All black lives matter. Our communities matter. Baltimore matters. And black people don't have to vote Democrat. A very powerful ad from Kim Klasik. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. The governor of New York was also featured last night at the Democrat National Convention. Oh, tonight they're going to have a whole bunch of other people. Yeah, whatever. The governor of New York was featured last night. This is outrageous. Okay, this is a guy who has the single worst record as a leader in politics when it comes to COVID of anybody. 6,600, more like 11,000 now. Even Trump is going after this guy on this. It's, it's completely absurd. Absurd that he is being elevated as somebody that should be listened to. He's writing a book on getting us through the COVID crisis. Cuomo writing a book on leadership during COVID. What's next? De Blasio writing a book on how to just say no to drugs. Hey. Unbelievable. Unbelievable that this is what's going on. And here he is last night saying it. Play clip nine. Our nation is in crisis. And in many ways, COVID is just a metaphor. A virus attacks when the body is weak and when it cannot defend itself. Over these past few years, America's body politic has been weakened. The divisions have been growing deeper. The anti-Semitism, the anti-Latino, the anti-immigrant fervor, the racism in Charlottesville, where the KKK didn't even bother to wear their hoods. And in Minnesota, where the life was squeezed from Mr. Floyd. Only a strong body can fight off the virus. And America's divisions weakened it. Donald Trump didn't create the initial division. The division created Trump. He only made it worse. Our collective strength is exercised through government. It is, in effect, our immune system. And our current federal government is dysfunctional and incompetent. It couldn't fight off the virus. In fact, it didn't even see it coming. The European virus infected the Northeast while the White House was still fixated on China. I mean, how many stupid things, how many lies and misdirections can one guy get into one speech? First of all, calling it the European virus is moronic, okay? And he just does this to try to antagonize Trump and Trump voters and hoping, you know, hoping to uh, get some some points with the left wing base with all this. It's from China. Trump is right that it's from China. But Cuomo was also singing a very different tune. But a couple of months ago when he was saying that President Trump was very responsive, the federal government was on it, their help. I remember all of that. And now, sure enough, he turns off, he turns against everything that he had said before because the politics of the moment demanded. He even goes with the, the big lie of Democrats against Trump for the last four years. You know, he, he goes to the big lie against Trump that he's the reason that all of our divisions have gotten worse. They told us let's let's look at this for a second. Democrats have told us that uh, there were there, there was a traitor in the White House. 
that the president of the United States betrayed this country to work with Russia, a hostile foreign power, to steal the election. That was Democrat dogma for years. They completely believed it. The media was all about it. A lie. And they want to lecture us about Trump lies all the time. Like I've always said, Trump lies about uh, what he had for breakfast or how he's the greatest at something of all time, which isn't really a lie. It's just an opinion that can't be disproven. Cuomo lies about stuff. The fact that he's writing a book on how to respond to COVID-19 just shows you the thermonuclear level gaslighting that we should all be expecting from this. It's already happening, but it'll continue to happen going forward. As if he has something to teach any of us. New York is maybe now after what, six, seven months of lockdown. I'm still getting my test and trace core. Pretty scary when you think about it. Test and trace core sending me messages every day. Don't leave your house. Not allowed to leave your house. Don't go anywhere. Based on what? Can't, if I tell them that I'm going to John Lewis's eighth funeral ceremony, am I allowed to be outside? Is that OK? Because it's OK for Democrats. They can travel. Waived all the restrictions on them. Can I say that I'm going to a BLM protest? Does that then mean that I get to break my this is home confinement? They might as well have an ankle monitor on me. Can't go out for two weeks. That's what they say. The test and trace core. Highly, highly trained medical professionals, I'm sure. People that have had this job for, oh, I don't know. Uh, at least a couple of weeks. They probably had a solid hour or two of online trading before they're able to ask me all about my medical history and tell me what I can do with my life. Two weeks of lockdown. Yeah. Cuomo is really writing a book, which he uh, allegedly is. It should just be, I'm sorry, I'm such a blanking moron. But that's not going to happen. Democrats are invested in pretending that the blue states, the biggest blue states, were not the worst in responding to COVID. Florida, Texas, way better with their red governors and either their red or purple populations politically, way better dealing with COVID than Cuomo. But he's still out there pounding his chest, telling everybody, oh, he knows how to get it done. Sure. If catastrophe is the, is the goal, he succeeded. Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Team Buck, it's time for Roll Call. Roll call, everybody. Get to it. Uh, first up, well, let's just remind everybody, go to BuckSexton.com and uh, check out if you want to send us your thoughts on anything. You can do so a couple of ways. One, and hopefully we'll actually do it this week on Friday, you can call in 844-900-2825, 844-900-BUCK. Yep. That's the way that's the way it goes. Eight four four nine hundred buck. Uh, leave us a message. Producer Mark really likes it if you will sing if you will sing a song to him. I think I have to get my resume ready again. I'm just saying, you know, producer Mark's favorite thing. He likes sonnets. He likes poems of all kinds. If you send him a limerick, he'll get really excited. Yeah, it's getting a little dusty. I'm going to have to start sending it out to people. 
Yeah. 844-900-2825 is the voicemail box. If you want to send us written stuff, which does not quite upset Mark the same way, you can do that at facebook.com slash or teambuck at iheartmedia.com. PR things where you want me to have a guest on the show, PR people out there who use our Team Buck email for that purpose, those get deleted. Don't do that. We don't yeah, like that. I'm sure they're listening, Buck. Well, you know what I mean. Just, just saying. Just saying. It gets a little frustrated. A little frustrating sometimes. The, the funniest is when we get, do you want this former Joe Biden aide on? I was like, do you know who you're sending this email to? Yeah. I would, well, sometimes I want to be like, yeah, we should have him on just to sort of see how quickly they would figure out yeah. what's happening. Yeah. I think the second I emailed them back and they looked you up, but they'd realize how stupid they are. Yeah. Or they could try to come into Buck's Thunderdome and see what happens. Two men enter, one man leaves. You know, it would be good. All right, I'll set that up. No, 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 let's not. The, the audience, I don't think... Yeah. See, people always think they want to hear a debate on the radio, but a debate on the radio gets very hostile very quickly, and then people will cross-talk. And cross-talk on TV is bad when people are trying to talk over each other and won't stop. But cross-talk on radio just turns into noise, and I don't want people to switch from this show to, you know, easy listening, 109.9, you know, the the greatest hits of the late 70s or something. You know what I mean? We don't need that. Yeah, we, I mean, we, we like music, but after the Buck Sexton show. Yeah, exactly. You got to listen to the Buck Sexton show first. Oh, and to that end, the Pass the Buck campaign, absolutely essential. We want people to uh, please listen to the Buck Sexton show on podcast, because uh, that way, no matter where they are across the country, even if they don't have one of our fantastic affiliates broadcasting the radio signal to them they can listen on either the iHeartRadio app if they want which is a great very useful app or they can just download the podcast i think podcast uh, the podcast interface on spotify is really easy to use apple podcasts obviously a big thing still no one calls it itunes anymore what happened to that it's not really a thing anymore yeah. You don't really buy things on the iTunes store. It'll kind of yeah, but it'll kind of always be iTunes to me, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, that's how you know you're old. That's true. It's like I still call where the Mets play Shea Stadium. Mm-hmm. So, now uh, let's get into our Facebook. Wait, what? it's not Shea Stadium. What is it? It's uh, City Field. Oh. They built City a new Group? stadium in 2009. Oh. I was unaware of that. Really? I mean, I think I've heard of it, but I, I would not, if you would ask me, I would have said Shea Stadium. Yeah, that sounds about right. Who was, the, who was the Shea of the Shea Stadium? It was William A. Shea. He was instrumental in getting the uh, Mets to exist after the Dodgers and the Giants left to uh, go to the West Coast. Very interesting. Okay. Michael, while you consider the fraud in the Biden-Harris ticket is their promise of uniting this nation, while the party seems to insist on keeping us divided... Uh, I view it as the Democrats holding this nation hostage in the hopes of getting their way, which might not be a genie, but they can put it back in the bottle. Riot shields high. Um, I view it as the Democrats holding this nation hostage. Uh, okay, Michael, thank you for writing in. Karen, hey, Buck, like you, I am not. A yes. Karen is not impressed. Remember that meme back in the day with the uh, gymnast? Not impressed. I think it was Kayla is not impressed, right? Wasn't it Kayla Maroney or Mulroney or something? Oh, yeah, the famous gymnast. Yes, yes, Yeah, I yes. don't remember her name off the top of my head. She's very right. good, though. She's very good, but she was 
I think she got a silver medal and she had this look on her face like, you know, I never did the not impressed thing. Anyway, Karen is not impressed here Uh, with Jill Biden's doctorate in education. I have a master's degree in education. Most of the ed classes turned out to be more or less useless. The courses that are important are subject matter classes like physics. If you're teaching physics, Spanish, if you're teaching Spanish, etc. The only essential ed course is student teaching. If you can work under someone who really knows his craft, which I was lucky enough to do, I couldn't even tell you anymore what most of the other classes were, except they were vapid and super easy. <laughs> Karen, I really appreciate I really appreciate this because, yeah, I mean, come on. Does anybody who wants a doctorate in education fail? No. Does anyone who wants a doctorate in education know anything at the end of it that they probably didn't know before? No. So why am I supposed to be impressed and call someone a doctor for that? I'm sorry. Not going to fly. Not going to fly. So there you go. Um, David, let's see here. Thanks for getting Mike Slater to fill in the other day. I will add his podcast to the list of people I listen to. I especially like his world history stories. What would producer Mark do? What stories did he tell about history? I'm curious. I mean, he, he did a lot of stuff, so I can't really give you off the top of my head. I was wondering if you like, went into a story about a particular region. He actually something. did um, a whole hour on the siege of Malta. I was going to say, if you got him to do a Malta podcast, <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna, we're both going to get a code red. Uh, he would totally do it, by the way. If I was like, hey, oh, Mike, yeah. can, you, can you do me a favor? Could you do a, like a six-hour-long series on Malta this weekend? He'd be like, bro, absolutely. Happy yeah. to do it. Yeah, that sounds and, great. And I he would history. do it incredibly well, and he could probably do it oh, in an hour. He would probably do it by Monday. Yeah, yeah no, he's, exactly. he's a very... He's a very squared away guy. We should just add him to the podcast network and have him do the history podcasts. There we go. He would totally do it. He'd be like, I just stay up till 3 a.m. every night for three nights. I got two hours of sleep, but totally worth it. So anyway, we got an idea. Maybe that's how we'll do. Or maybe for Labor Day weekend. I don't know. People are going to need something to listen to. Maybe we put out a special podcast then, Producer Mark. Maybe I'm going to surprise you with a plan. Zero chance. I just want to warn the listeners. It's not going to happen. I don't want you to get your hopes up. We'll see. We'll see. The more the more he the more he goads me, team, the more likely it is to, that he'll get us. I know what I'm doing. David writes that uh, Mike's worldview complements your social view very well. You guys ought to consider some tag team broadcast. Well, David, that's why we have Mike fill in, because we think he does such a good job uh, on top of being a really good guy. So, um, yeah, we're already working with him on stuff. It'll be fun to do a tag. I mean, he's had me on his show before. Um and and I really appreciate that. So he's he's on a great uh, network out in San Diego that we are also on. KFMB. I was going to say KFMB. So, which is uh, we are very thankful to be reaching that wonderful San Diego audience. That's a, uh, a top tier radio station. So yay! And Mike's on that one. We're on that one. And next up here we have Andrew. Buck and producer Mark, I've been seeing so many out-of-state license plates here in Indiana near Fort Wayne in Wo-Wo land. It's a bit unsettling to see New York and New Jersey plates on cars slowly uh, cruising through my quiet burb. I realize they want to flee the insanity, but don't bring those crazy policies to my town. Anyway, if the crazy libs are fleeing cities, causing prices on real estate to plunge in those cities... Wouldn't this be a golden opportunity for more conservative homebuyers and businesses to consider snapping up the vacant areas? 
What if cities could go from deep blue to purple or even red? Insane mayors could even be replaced with sane ones. Just a thought. Shields high from Indiana. Whoa, whoa. There we go. Whoa, Fort Wayne, Indiana. Another great heritage radio station uh, that we are on and are very pleased to be. Um, let's see here. Do we think we can flip some cities from deep, deep, deep blue to maybe a, a faint shade of purple? I don't know about that. I would love to say that I think it's possible. In fact, what I would like to happen is I would want conservatives to this should be like a project. You know, instead of sending checks to a think tank, people should create some nonprofit that just says we're going to take as many conservatives as we can. We're going to take as many conservatives as possible. We're going to move them all to one city and we're going to have a conservative city. Where you're allowed to own guns, where your taxes are low, where law and order are enforced. And and just to do it would be so powerful. If we could have that. I mean, if I Bruce and Mark, if we if we could take oh, if you can make one city, not I mean, conservative and therefore more sane, which if we could flip one city red, which one would it be for you? Other than New York, which is where we currently are. Take New York out of the equation. You no, know, I, I want to move away from New York. I want to move as far as humanly possible. Um Hmm. I'd have to think about that. Maybe somewhere in California? Maybe San Diego? I was going to say probably. If we could oh. steal San Diego from the libs, that would be wonderful. Maybe even Miami, something like that? Miami would be great. If we could steal Austin from the libs, I'd be very oh. excited. You know, if we could That'd make be good that too. the red stronghold, the, the capital of Texas, that would be great. Even Dallas is majority Democrat now, which is so, so sad. So sad. You know, Chicago's a great town, I hear, but yeah, it's too cold. Too cold. Freezing winters. Can't handle that stuff. I want, I want better weather. You got, you got to have better weather. You get to be my age, producer Mark, and the bones start to hurt with the cold weather, and the shoulder gets a little creaky, and, mm-hmm. you know, you don't want any of that. I, I get it. I'm 27 going on 75. Yeah. You know, where they, you know where they don't have those kinds of problems? Sunny southern Florida. Well, I'll be there soon. Mm-hmm. What, seven months left on my lease. John Buck. I live in Utah where we do have mail-in ballots. I had to re-register to vote by going to the county offices with my Social Security card and a certified birth certificate. The dude who said that Utah has a working system didn't mention the standards that require a voter to be more than breathing. Getting an absentee ballot when I was in the service is much easier. Well, John, see, this is this is what I'm saying. It's disingenuous to pretend, and this is what all the Libby is doing, to pretend that it's the same thing to be um, absentee ballot and also universal mail-in ballot. It's not the same thing, okay? Not the same thing. So that's just untrue. The media keeps pretending, and I'm here to tell you what's what. Is there a huge uh, question mark over the degree of fraud? Yeah, of course, but... The degree of fraud in a close presidential election is something we should be doing everything we can to work against. You know, Democrats will embrace this this if it saves just one life in public policy argument when it suits them. Well, what are we what are we willing to do to if it saves just one election? Which affects a whole lot of lives and and the future of this country. And, you know, you'd think that they, they would if they were being honest about any of this, they'd be willing to admit that election security is really important, but election security 
does not matter to them. They want it to be loose and lax and easy. That's what they want. That's the purpose. That's the the point. So, yep. Uh, let's see. Who's next here? Thomas. If Nancy Pelosi succeeds in getting the members of the House to return to D.C. on Saturday, Kevin McCarthy should make the motion on the floor to remove Pelosi from office. She's no longer capable of conducting a rational process of legislation. Republicans should walk out as soon as Pelosi, uh, Pelosi, whoops, Pelosi attempts to address voting for any legislation directed at the USPS without proper committee discussions. Formal legislation for the issue, 72 hours for the public to respond to their representatives. Those are the procedures inst- uh, institutionalized by Pelosi and Obama. They have not changed. This insanity has to stop. We can't afford Congress anymore. Shields high. Uh, okay, Thomas. Thomas, I feel like, knows a lot about this issue and has thought about it very deeply. He seems like a very smart fellow. So I'm just going to say, cool, thank you. I like, I like where your head's at. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Next up in roll call, Anne. Hey, Buck and producer Mark, a co-retiree of mine with the USPS brought up the point that he has been USPS retired for over 16 years after nearly 34 years of service. I myself have been retired almost two years after 32 years of service. He doesn't remember in his lifetime Congress coming off recess to conduct business regarding the post office. In fact, unless it was to their advantage politically, he doesn't remember any of them giving a rat's patoot. <laughs> Producer Mark, you heard that word before? It's a nice way of saying the other word. Yeah. A rat's patoot about the post office or those employed there ever. I can say I totally agree with my former coworker, and I'm sure any other postal workers listening will agree also. Congress has never been given this much attention to the postal, has never given this much attention to the postal service. Congress is a big part of the reason the post office is in debt due to Congress requiring the USPS to pre-fund health care for retirees. And listen to KFAB Omaha via iHeartRadio. Love your show. Shields high. Well, and thanks for listening on KFAB Omaha. Appreciate it. Great to have you as part of the team. And thank you for bringing some real insight and expertise to the issue of the post office and and postal workers. So thank you so much for that. Joseph, hey, Buck, really enjoy listening to the show. I keep hearing about voter fraud and whether it is a serious problem, yada, yada, yada. Voting by mail presents other problems besides fraud. I've heard of ballots getting lost, misplaced, etc. Technically, that's not always fraud, but it sure sounds unacceptable to me and would lead to an inaccurate tally of the votes in a timely manner. Also, how can they certify to a person that his or her vote was counted and that the privacy of his or her vote was protected? How does that happen? I've seen how they do that in my polling place, in-person voting, and it looks pretty secure. And then he just added, Mitt Romney is an embarrassment. Joseph, certainly correct on that last one. And as for the voting procedures... Yeah, man, it's kind of Byzantine and arcane and complicated, and there's a lot of ways that it can go south. So making it more complicated and more difficult, probably not a good idea, but the libs want to do it because disruption and dishonesty are the water in which they swim. That's it for the day, everybody. Thank you so much. Back tomorrow. Pass the buck. Get someone to listen to this podcast this week, please. Someone you know in your life. Until tomorrow.
Shields high.